Welcome to the Cumberland Road Podcast. I'm TJ Melanoski, your host. Today, our guest is Tommy Clark. He's from the Lewisburg, Tennessee area. He is an ordained Cumberland Presbyterian minister. He's graduated from Memphis Theological Seminary and is a recent graduate of their doctorate program. Right now, he is serving McCain's Cumberland Presbyterian Church right outside of Columbia, Tennessee. And he is also active in an urban bicycle food ministry, which he started in Memphis in 2012. And he's actively serving in an urban bicycle food ministry in Nashville. Tommy just recently uh, is married uh, to Reverend Ellen Hudson Clark. Tommy, it's good to have you on the podcast today. Good to be here. Thank you. So let's just jump right in. Tommy, share share with us just your first experience, your first encounter with God, and what that means to you. Well, a lot of people have this um, this big answer and this big encounter that they had um, when they uh, answer that that question. As far as you know, when did you first have your your real God impact your real God experience, but honestly, um, I, I grew up in a, a Christian family, and I think um, my experience with God happened over the course of, of my life and continues to happen. When I was young, my mother was very vocal in, in teaching me about faith, and uh, I think um, a big part of that, a big part of her teaching to me was uh, to be to be optimistic with my faith, and um, that has been um, a, a huge part of, of my present-day ministry, and I think my outlook on life is, is being optimistic. But um, I think uh, later in life, and probably in my early to, to mid-20s, is, is when I, I found out that I, I wanted to be really involved in my faith and to get involved in ministry and um, to respond to a call to ministry. And I don't think there was a, a huge event that made that happen. I, I think it just kind of led up to that and having a lot of conversations uh, with God in prayer and a lot of conversations with um, uh, mentors and, and people that inspired me throughout my life, including um, friends and family and um, uh, my, my pastor that I grew up with in, uh, in Lewisburg, Tennessee. So... Um, yeah, there wasn't like a, a one single event or uh, even a couple of, of events that um, that kind of defined my my faith. It's it's been um, a process over my life and um, just um, a prayer and and inspirations and um, very um, many many um, experiences with the divine. Well, at some point, you know, your relationship with God expanded beyond just being uh, a Christian. Um, you know, you're ordained to the Word and Sacrament. So what, what made that kind of turn in the road? Well, I, I think, and I go back to uh, my, my family and... I can remember being in my my early twenties, uh, I guess. Well, I guess mid to early twenties, and um, kind of rebelling a little bit, and and 
getting in trouble a little bit and going against the grain or really going against um, my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But kind of hitting a rock bottom place in my life and um, just not knowing what I was going to do and just being really lost. And I can remember, um, (laughs) this is going to probably spark some questions too, but um, calling my mom early, early one morning and um, I can still hear her optimistic voice saying, "Um, Hey honey, how was, how was your night? Did you sleep well? And I said, "Um, well, mom, I spent the night in jail and um, there was a a long pause and and she said, you know what? It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to get through it. Um, You go to work today and we'll talk about it later. And I don't know, that planted a seed in me, and it was just like this, um, something grew out of that. And I repeat that, uh, that experience to a lot of people. And I don't know what it was, but it, that planted a seed. And I just, I feel like it, it, it started to grow from there. And I think it was just this pure, raw compassion that, that I really experienced love through my mom of, of saying, Hey, you know, uh, you, you have a bigger purpose and what you're going through right now is, is just kind of an obstacle, a bump in a road. And, um, you're going to understand this, you're going to get it. And it's going to be step by step. And that really doesn't sound like it's connected to some divine, um, the movement in my life, but it really was. That was a that was kind of the beginning of of a movement, and it really um, it started to grow from there. So instead of your mother going, "Well, what happened? What did you do?" or just you know laying into you, she's like, "Hey, it's going to be okay. Tell me yeah. about it later." Well, I told her why, oh, okay. um, <laughs> and but I didn't go into detail, and and she said, you know, because I, I think she knew kind of the path that I was on. And I think that probably gave her some, some clarity. I think she had been praying for me a lot by that time (laughs) and worrying a lot about me. Um, But when I told her that, I think it probably gave her some relief and knowing that um, I had hit a wall and I couldn't really go any further down the path that I was on. Mm. And I think that gave her some clarity and, and I think it was just really um, a God moment and a chain reaction of things that um, connected me to God um, a little bit more than I'd ever been because I really felt God through my mom that 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 morning when she said that, mm-hmm. and um, I felt yeah I felt the Spirit in 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 her like speaking to me and saying, "Hey, it's going to be okay. We're gonna we're gonna make things different now." Wow. And it took a rock bottom moment or a dead end or whatever metaphor we want to use right. to, to go, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, there's could be a pretty big leap from that moment in your life towards drawing closer to God to the point of the particular service you've been called to. Mm-hmm. So how did that path, that moment, lead you to the path that you're you're on now it was a long path because i think from that point um there were uh 
there had to be some some reconciling in myself because I had gone down the wrong path for a little while. So I kind of had to go in reverse and I had to take some time to heal. Um, I, and I think um, I felt the divine or the spirit, again, what metaphor you want to use, kind of working in me and pulling me in a direction, but I kept, I kept resisting against that. So after doing that for a while, I had to recover a little bit and I had to um, kind of um, disassociate myself with people that I had been around um, with a lifestyle that I, I was living. I had to really disconnect. And in doing that, um, I had to kind of rebuild um, myself. And I did that through reading a lot of spiritual books. And by the time, at that time, I was, I was um, living um, away from my, my parents. And um, when that happened and having further conversation with my parents, they wanted me to move back home. They said, let's start out with you coming back to us. Uh, so I did that. And during that time, I read a lot of books and I connected with my pastor, the pastor of the church that I grew up in, um, which was um, First Cumberland Presbyterian Church in uh, Lewisburg. So, um, which I've all, always had a relationship with him since I was a kid, but just having some good, you know, conversations with him and, and, um, because he knew, he knew where I was at and he knew everything that had happened. And like, he prayed with my mom <laughs> when, mm. you know, I was, uh, uh, getting in, getting in trouble. So, um, he knew what was going on and I think he was probably optimistic, um, about me and, and what was happening in this and this healing process. Um, so he probably was a little bit excited for my, me and my family. So, um, yeah, just spending some time with him, reading, meditating, praying, um, finding new friends, living a different lifestyle, uh, working different jobs. Um, and during that time, um, I, I could feel something um, really moving. It was, it was a dynamic that I really didn't have an explanation for because I was also trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I mean, I explored a lot of things and, you know, you, you have those moments where you think to yourself, okay, well, I can do this. You know, I can, I can be a teacher. I could be a police officer. I can, you know, I could be a, a pharmacist, uh, you know, and then that, that idea is like, um, thinking about, uh, my pastor, I, I thought I could be a minister, and it was like, you know, hit the the parking brake. <laughs> Wait a second, what did I just say? <laughs> a minister? Wow, yeah, I could do that. And so I think just exploring those thoughts and and think about this, and and keep in mind at this time, at this point, I think I was uh, twenty three years old. Um, so yeah, exploring that idea and thinking about that idea, um, kind of connected a lot of things. Um, a lot of, you know, the ideas in the books that I'd been reading and some of the ideas that my pastor had shared with me and everything just kind of fell into place. And I had decided, um, well, you know, to myself, I, I, I thought, okay, yeah, 
this is what I'm going to do. But I need to go talk to my pastor about it. And I can remember going to him and, and sitting in his office and, and telling him, I want to go into ministry. And he was very happy and uh, maybe a little surprised. But um, his response was, that's great. You're going to do great, but you have a long road. <laughs> a long road ahead of you. Because I didn't really know what was involved in that. Mm. I, I didn't know, you know, that uh, I was going to have to get a master's degree. You know, I knew I, I, knew I was going to go to college, which at that time I had tried college just out of, out of high school. And um, I dropped out because this, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't interested in it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fun. So, so I knew I was going to have to go back to college. So um, he said, well, yeah, you'll have to finish your undergrad and then you'll have to go to seminary and it's going to take you a while, but, you know, be patient and, you know, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be um, an experience uh, along the way and you're going to learn a lot. So I dove in and went from there. <laughs> Man. So you hit a uh, you hit a crossroads in your life of where you had you you chose to kind of separate yourself with some friends. That that's not an easy thing to do. It's one thing to change jobs and maybe even relocate, but to be able to make new friends. Yeah. And then you know, outsider looking in, it it would be strange to hear a twenty some year old uh, year old um, some of the closest guides or mentors end up being a parent and a minister in the 21st century. That's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's countercultural. Yeah. Totally. In, in many ways. Yeah. So yeah, good grief. Uh, you think of the educational path um, for, for ministry. Um, which is great. It's fantastic. It's needed, you know, to build the skills and, and hone the, the gifts, mm -hmm. but could be discouraging as well when there's other easier paths. You mentioned teacher and police officer, which, which is kind of neat because everything you mentioned is service oriented. And yeah, for as long as I've known you, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what you are. It, it, you must be hardwired for service. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you uh, you start on the, the educational path uh, and, and really the calling, just as you said, to be able to say, I think I'm called to ministry and then actually kind of move in that direction. Those are two different things. Yeah, yeah, two totally different things. Uh, so I, I had to, um, yeah, start in, and I was so behind an education that um, I had a lot of catching up to do. So um, that was very discouraging. And, and being that when I quit college earlier uh, in my life, um, that put me even further behind. So it was like, it was like going back through high school, basically. Mm. And having to, you know, I wanted to be a minister but I wasn't doing anything related to ministry in school. I wasn't learning anything related to ministry. So that was very discouraging. 
Um, but I kept going, and I just kept telling myself that, you know, I, I've, I'm on a path now, and mm. I'm going to get there. Uh, I'm going to have to persevere, um, even during very challenging times um, in, in school. And I didn't like what I was doing, you know. I had to go back and take three different algebras. <laughs> I, I can't stand algebra, um, and I'm terrible at algebra. But, uh, yeah, I needed to do that. So it, it took me a little while. And, but, yeah, yeah, press forward. So you you finished up your education, and you're in ministry. Uh, what are you up to now? What's happening in your life? Oh, man. So much has happened <laughs> <laughs> and continues to happen. Um, so while I was, and I've, I've got to kind of go back to seminary um, mm-hmm. before, you know, in answering that question. <laughs> um, while I was in seminary, um, and honestly, Probably two or three years into seminary, I still wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my seminary education. Um, I didn't. I wasn't completely committed to preaching or pastoring mm-hmm. a church, um, and I was kind of constantly looking for something, and I, I wanted something that was going to be a little unorthodox and a little different, a little adventurous, because that's kind of in my blood. Um, I'm an outdoors person. I love to travel. I'm a big cyclist. Um, So I wanted something that, um, you know, kind of suited me, and um, I could use the things that I was passionate about. So while I was in seminary, I, I did a lot of, service projects for for classes and such um, with uh, a homeless ministry that was founded by one of my professors, and I kind of developed this love for working with the homeless community in Memphis, and um, like got to know people, made friends, Hmm. Um, and I, I liked doing that. I didn't really know quite how to apply that to, you know, my future. Um. So continue to do it, continue to think about it and pray about it. And most of my projects and my papers and my seminary work um, were related to that type of ministry. That was kind of my ministry. You know, if we, you know, people in my classroom would have a project and they would do their project on their church. And I would do my project on, you know, the homeless ministry um, that I served or a, a different service ministry on, or street ministry in Memphis. So I developed that passion of working with people in the streets. In the summer of 2012, which would have I would have had one year left um, on my um, MDiv or my Master's in Divinity, and um, I took this class. It was a summer class called Revitalizing the Church, and it was based on um, churches doing outreach, uh, essentially, and, and how the revitalization of the church going into the future is the church, uh, a church looking outward rather than inward, and that is where churches are going, and that's essentially what the, the class was about, is, you know, building a church without walls, 
and, you know, mm -hmm. sending people out to the community to do work. Um, so I was really inspired by, by that class. So, and it made me consider, you know, what are my passions? What are the things that I love? And um, one of, of course, was um, working with people in the streets. You know, that was, that was my favorite kind of ministry or something that, um, you know, I, I loved doing and I was comfortable with doing as well. And the other passion that I have is cycling. Um, I've, I've been, uh, at that time, I've been a, a cyclist for, for years. And um, while in college, uh, I was into competitive cycling. Um, while I lived in Memphis, that's how I got around town. Um, so, um, yeah, big cycling advocate. And I thought, well, what, how, how can I use that? How can I put these two things together? And I had this idea that, okay, I'm going to use my bike to deliver supplies to people on the streets. So when I got that idea, uh, my first, the first thing I want to do, uh, I thought about doing is finding people that would join me to do it. But I started thinking, you know what, if I tell people I'm going to do this, they'll tell me um, that it's a bad idea, that it's dangerous, or it's, uh, you know, that's not a good idea. So um, I said, okay, I'm going to do this by myself once just to see how it works out. So one night I went to the grocery store and I bought some food to make um, burritos. I think I had 15, enough to make 15 burritos. And I, um, in my kitchen, in my little duplex in Midtown Memphis, I made up 15 burritos, ate one, put the rest of them in a bag, got on my bicycle, and just went riding through Midtown and Downtown Memphis looking for people that might be interested in a burrito. And, um, you know, I, I kind of knew at that time how to identify somebody who was homeless. and. Um, I was comfortable working with, you know, that community. So every time I, uh, I saw somebody, I, I stopped and, and asked, Hey, um, handing out some food. Would you like a, would you like a burrito? And that night, the response, um, I got from people was, it was so receptive and it was just, it was the most spiritual experience I had ever had. Mm. And it moved me and this, the, the response of the people, you know, people hugged me. Um, one guy prayed, uh, with me and, um, one poor old man had a handful of change. Somebody had given him, he tried to give me his change. <laughs> um, so I got back to my house after delivering the 15 burritos and I sat down on my couch and I mean, I was in tears. I was like, this is my thing. This is what, I'm supposed to do. Um, is this sustainable? I don't know. Probably not. But I'm going to keep doing this. I was so excited about it. So the next day, I had to go to work, and I worked at a, um, a shoe store, like a running store in Memphis. And I told my friends there, and they were just enthusiastic. They, they said, oh, okay, that's awesome. Can we do it again next week? I was like, yes, I'm doing this every week. And, um, so the following week, which the first time I did, it was on a Wednesday, the following Wednesday, um, I had, I think three other friends that showed up and we made like 30 burritos and we delivered those. And it seemed like those guys that joined me, 
they had a very similar experience. And it was just that the connection of us and them that a lot of people miss and a lot of people decline. And you're kind of putting yourself in that position to where um, you're having conversations with people and you're asking their names. And it's like you want to know who they are. And for, I don't know, you know, ages, people have been told to avoid the people on the street. You know, don't talk to them. They're drunk. They're, um, you know, they're mentally ill. They're, you know, so many, I don't know, stereotypes. And uh, they're often avoided. But all of a sudden, you're going out to them and, um, you know, you're introducing yourself and you're having that, that little conversation and you're offering them something like a meal that is to um, to say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I care about you. I'm praying for you. And it's it's a totally different experience. And when you have that interaction with that person, there is something very spiritual about it. And I think that moves in people. So that group of people that joined me, that small group of people, they kind of had that experience too. Hmm. And um, they were very enthusiastic about it. And they went and told people about it. They told their friends about it. And the following week, there were more people uh, to show up, and we gave out more food. And the next week, there were a couple more people. And then people started to email me and ask me about what I was doing. And all at the same time, I was using uh, social media to kind of um, advertise um, this. And we, I would go on social media, and I would tell experiences and tell stories about people that I met. And uh, I was getting a huge response from social media and people wanting to donate money. And, you know, standing back, looking at, at this, I, I just shocked and just, you know, reiterating to myself, this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. And before the end of that year, we had a, uh, we had filled out the paperwork to turn that into a nonprofit organization. And we called it the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry. And, um, yeah, people just kept getting involved. So um, throughout that year, we continued to do it every Wednesday. And uh, it continued to grow. More people continued to get involved and support it, if not volunteer for it. Um, schools. And we're, we're calling to ask how they could get involved. Organizations were asking how they could get involved. We got on the news, I think, three times wow. that year. Um, so, yeah, it exploded. And, you know, I, I did it. I always say when people ask how I started the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry, m my answer is by accident. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, that was my thing. And, um in 2013, um, the next year, the next May, I graduated from MTS, uh, Memphis Theological Seminary, and um, with my MDiv. And at that time, um, I was kind of filling pulpits and preaching some, even though my priority was the street ministry. Um, I was going around and, and doing a little bit of preaching on the weekends uh, at churches that didn't have a minister. So, um, yeah, continued to, to do that um, while also 
Um, I was no longer working at the shoe store. I was working at uh, a bicycle shop as a, as a bicycle mechanic. And, um, yeah, doing that, street ministry, filling in pulpit, um, and barely uh, making ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barely putting food on the uh, in the fridge. <laughs> so I knew that something was going to have to change, but I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, but I knew I loved what I was doing, mm. which was very important to me. Um, and then it was um, about a year later, in 2014, I uh, was contacted by a small church in Columbia, Tennessee, um, and they asked me to fill in because their uh, their pastor um, had recently passed away. So uh, asked me to fill in for them, and I did a couple of times. And they asked me if I would be interested in interviewing for the position, and my first response was no. I'm doing this thing in Memphis. <laughs> you know, I'm busy um, doing this uh, street ministry in Memphis, so I, I can't. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I started to consider it. So it was, uh, I guess, somewhere around May. Um, they contacted me again and asked if I was interested in, in talking to them, uh, just having a conversation about the job. And I, I did and ended up taking a position at McCain's. Um, and I went back and met with the group of leaders that had developed for the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry. And I told them, you know, where I was at. And they, they said, hey, you go do what you have to do. You know, you can move to Columbia. It's going to be fine. Urban Bicycle Food Ministry is going to be fine. We're going to take care of it. We're going to continue to do this. And they did, and it continued to grow um, after I left. But that's, uh, that's how I got into pastoral ministry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you still involved in the Memphis chapter? I, I'm making up terminology here. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good word. Um, not as much as I was. And actually, it's funny that you asked that question because... When I took the job uh, as the pastor of McCain's Cumberland Presbyterian Church, I said, which is the small rural church, um, I said, I, you know, I can do this as long as you will allow me to go to Memphis um, at least once a month to serve with that group and to kind of check in because technically I was still leading it, um, not there. I was just kind of off-site leading it. Um, but you know, I had some friends that, that were doing the hands-on leadership of it and they, uh, the church agreed and said, you know, that's fine. Do what you have to do. You know, we like that you do this mm -hmm. and they were very supportive, which, um, was, uh, uh, such a blessing. So yeah, I would go to Memphis at least once a month to check in and to volunteer, um, on the streets there. And I did that up until last year. So from 2014 to 2019, I was going to Memphis at least once a month to, to serve there. Wow. Now, 
it doesn't stop there because there's another one in Nashville. So how did how did that get started? Or well, how did you get involved in in that? Yeah, no, it was just it was just beginning at, at that point. Uh, it was just getting started, and before I go into that. Um, I need to say something about the one that opened up in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> really? Yeah, go, yeah. go. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what year it was when this happened. I think it was in 2015. And I was, I'd already been at McCain Cumberland Presbyterian Church, um, pastoring the church for a little while. I got home kind of late one night, and I get a phone call from this guy. He says, um, Pastor Clark, my name is Joe Laszlo. Um, I uh, live in Des Moines, Iowa, and I am a cyclist. And I had an experience on a bike a while back. I had an accident on a bicycle. And I spent some time in the hospital and some spirit, did some spiritual searching. And I got on the Internet. I Googled bicycling and ministry. And your website popped up, and that's how I got your information. And I want to ask you about the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry. So I told Joe this whole story <laughs> of how I got started, <laughs> and he said, "How do you feel about me copying your idea?" And I, I said, "I would be honored if you want to start an Urban Bicycle Food Ministry in Des Moines, Iowa." And um, he did it. I mean. I just I gave him some some um, hint or some tips on on how how to get started, and uh, he ran with it. And um, just a a side note is UBFM Des Moines is the biggest UBFM. Wow, it's, it's huge. Um, so yeah, that happened, and there's actually a UBFM in a suburb outside of Chicago. There's a UBFM in Colorado Springs, and there's also a UBFM in Dubuque, Iowa. Wow. <laughs> and to your question, there's one in Nashville, too. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2016, um, I was, uh, by this time, I was already working on my doctorate degree at Memphis Theological Seminary, and searching for um, a new project just to, to do my, um, my doctoral work on. And also, I, I had been missing um, street ministry. You know, when I was living in Memphis, every week I was going out on the street delivering food and supplies, meeting with people, listening to stories, and having those spiritual uh, encounters. But... Um, it's still going back to Memphis. It was just doing it once a month. And, you know, I was driving to Memphis once a month and, and volunteering there. So I called up a friend of mine who I went to seminary with um, named Jason Michael, who is the pastor of Jenkins Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Nolensville, Tennessee. And uh, I knew that he was doing street ministry in Nashville. And I knew that he was just delivering food um, to uh, some homeless camps around Nashville. Um, he and his, his wife, Suzanne, were making um, – they were, they were doing burritos too. We kind of got that idea together. 
and we copied that idea from another ministry in Memphis, but burritos are easy to make, easy to pack up. So anyway, but they were making burritos and loading them up in their car um, and driving them to some homeless camps. So um, I thought, well, well, there's my opportunity to get back into street ministry and um, in Nashville and to kind of, um, you know, um, learn the, the, the ropes around Nashville and get to, to know some of the, the people in that community. So I called him up and I asked if I could join him. And he said, of course. And he, he was also aware of the work I had do, done in, in Memphis. So, you know, he was glad to, uh, or seemed to be glad to, to have me helping. So I uh, volunteered with him a couple of times. And um, while delivering the food, all I could think about is how much more effective and efficient it would be if I were doing this on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> because we were passing people that, you know, we couldn't stop because Nashville's traffic is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You can't stop and, and have those conversations. You know, going to the camps, it was, it was good because they could, you know, drive out to further places and carry more stuff. But it's those, those small interactions, you know, the people sitting on benches and at uh, bus stops and around parks and such. And um, I noticed that, you know, we were missing that. So I told Jason, you know, well, I asked him, um, hey, how do you, would you feel about me bringing my bike and me taking some of the burritos, put them in a backpack and letting me deliver them while you guys do the car, I can do my bike. And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll try it. Tried it. And um, it was great. Um, I had a great experience and um, yeah, saw, you know, I met with a lot of people, delivered all the burritos and bottles of water that uh, he could give me. So that was in the summer of, of 2016. And um, a friend of mine named Alex um, joined me. And we started going and meeting at this small church just outside of downtown with Jason and his, uh, his ministry, which was called the Nashville Burrito Ministry. And um, we just started meeting with them and um, just volunteering with them. So it was kind of, you know, we were UBFM Nashville, but we weren't really. You know, we were just kind of helping another ministry. And that was fine because it, it, it fulfilled the mission of mm-hmm. delivering food to people. And it kind of um, filled the void that I wanted with doing that kind of work. Right. But there was something that it was missing. While doing the work in Memphis, one of the, the, the primary things, one of the major things that um, I saw that we were doing that a lot of people probably didn't realize that we were doing was um, connecting people. And I have, for a long time, I've said that UBFM is not so much a um, homeless ministry as it is a people ministry because you're, you're taking two totally different people and you're connecting them um and it's the person on the outside and the person on the inside you know the homeless person and the person that's not homeless and um you know you're you're really bridging the gap there and um that's huge because all of a sudden you start to hear these stories from people and you meet them and you learn their names and you find out that there's um they are easily uh, they're you. you know, they're, they're no different than we are. And 
we could easily be in their shoes. We could easily be in that position. And when people start to learn that, they start to see those people a little differently. And they start to see the human um, in that person rather than seeing them as the ostracized homeless person who made mistakes in their, their lives, um, who put themselves there. They learned that it's not so much that they put themselves there. It's just, um, it's a, a misfortune. It's, it's, it's a, you know, unfortunate events and it, it could happen to anybody. The individual has a name. Exactly. You know, an identity. Right. And they have a name, an identity, and a story that's tragic. It's, it's tragic. And, and when you learn those stories, it's, uh, it just it squeezes you know, the life out of you because you think, oh, my gosh, why, why, uh, why, why is this happening? You know, why do we as a, as a culture, as a society, let this happen? Because these are these are people, and you start to see different dimensions of people. I've always said, you know, you can look at somebody through um, a single pane of glass, and you see what you see. But if you look at them through a diamond, you see so many dimensions of that person. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to see a person through a diamond, and you see them at different angles. You hear their stories. You hear their background. Um, you you learn, you know, that. Um, you learn why they have gotten to where they are. And um, yeah, that's life-changing. So back to just me and Alex delivering food. <laughs> um, I, after my friend Alex volunteered a couple of times, he was in because he loved it. And he had that same experience and that same feeling. But what we were missing is um, other people coming in. And, and um, you know... For some reason, it didn't catch on in Nashville like it caught on in Memphis. And I don't have an explanation for that. Um, even I, And I tried to advertise it. Maybe it's because we didn't make the news in Nashville like we did in Memphis. Um, but I don't have um, a good reason for that. Um, but I think, and Alex and I have talked about this, um, I think it was because we needed to develop ourselves a little bit more. So last year, summer of 2019, um, a guy who lived in Memphis, he was originally from Middle Tennessee area, not far from where I'm from. Um, he um, had moved to Memphis um, to um, to do some work. Um, was actually military, do some work in um I think, uh, Navy. And, um, he volunteered just, I don't know, somehow found out about the urban bicycle food ministry in Memphis and volunteered there and loved it and continued to do it. And then he finished out his, um, service there in, in Memphis and moved back to middle Tennessee and, um, started to, um, a master's program at Vanderbilt. Um, his name is Ken. And um, Ken contacted me and said, hey, I heard you do um, uh, UBFM work in Nashville. I have moved to Nashville. Can I join you guys? And, um, of course, I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So he joined us, and he, he said, you know, his first response was, is, 
this is different. (laughs) 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 This is not, uh, this is not like Memphis. And I said, yeah, no. And, you know, I explained to him that I just really didn't catch on as well in Nashville. And, um, I didn't have a good reason for that. Um, well, Ken is, is a, a brilliant guy. He was um, a lieutenant in the Navy, very hardworking guy. Um, he uh, got accepted into an MBA program at Vanderbilt, and um, he was just eager to do whatever he could do to expand UBFM Nashville. And um, so I said, okay, and just kind of gave him the ball and said, you know, what do you want to do, man? He said, well, first, um, let's create our own 501c3 because at that time I was operating under um, the UBFM Memphis blanket. So um, he said, let's, let's go our own route. And I said, all right. So we um, did all the paperwork. It got approved by the IRS. Um, by the end of last year, we had 501c3 status. And crazy thing, um, which things like this happen, but um, there is a, a big church in Nashville. It's an Episcopal church, old Episcopal church called Christ Church Cathedral. Um, very, very involved in the community. Um, wonderful group of people. But they also have a, a school there and their youth person at the church had taken some of their high schoolers and middle schoolers to Memphis a couple of years before that to volunteer with UBF in Memphis. Wow. Well, that youth leader found out about me doing it in Nashville, and she said, hey, can we volunteer? And um, I said, yeah, of course. And they came to volunteer with uh, the church and the burrito ministry and just to kind of help make the food. And her response was the same as Ken's. Hey, this is a little different. And I I told her, I said, yeah, this is, this is all we have to work with. And so she said, what if I can get you in the church at Christ church cathedral and use their kitchen? And we have volunteers there. We meet there and um, we can do it a different night of the week, week, if you want to. So um, I said, let's give it a try. And that brought in a bunch more volunteers. And that church, Christ Church Cathedral, is on Broadway in Nashville. And it's right in the middle of downtown Nashville. So that just made it a lot more convenient. So that kind of evolved into um, we just started our both nights a week, Monday night and Thursday night, meeting at Christ Church Cathedral. And um, that roped in some new volunteers because a lot of the members started volunteering and then they started telling their friends about it. And then we've got a whole new set of supporters. And now, here we are in, in 2020, and UBFM Nashville has um, really sprouted. And um, with the work of Christchurch Cathedral, um, Allison Bocking, who was the youth leader there, who uh, kind of we connected with, and then with our, um, my friend Ken, um, yeah, Ken Barnes is his name, um, yeah, we've got, uh, every, every ride Mondays and Thursdays, we've got at least, um, 10 people on bicycles delivering food and supplies around downtown Nashville. Wow. How many volunteers at the church? Um, it varies. 
Um, so right now, the the kitchen at the church is closed due to the COVID nineteen um, pandemic. So we only used the church kitchen up to February. Then everything shut down, and they closed their kitchen. So we kind of had to um, work around that. So now we've got um, me and Alex make food in my kitchen at my house, and um, uh, two families um, from Christ Church Cathedral make uh, food at their house uh, houses, and they bring it. We all join at six o'clock at the uh, Christ Church Cathedral parking lot, and we load up the stuff. Okay. But the response from the members of the church—they have donated um, just cases of bottles of water, uh, ingredients to make food. Um, yeah, you know, all kinds of stuff. So they've been they've been good to us. How do you see God working through this ministry? Uh the one in Memphis, the one in Nashville, and then of course your connection to that. How do you understand that as ministry and where do you see God in that in that context? Um I ultimately it kind of I keep going back to the connection of people and it being a people ministry. And um, I, I, my, uh, I guess I see God the most working through some of those volunteers and how just watching compassion overflowing through them to um, people that, you know, have addictions, people who are mentally ill, who, who smell bad, who haven't had a, a shower in two weeks, and they're just, it's just pouring out of them. And that's, that's where I see God. And, and both of those ministries and all of the, um, uh, the ones that I've worked with and the groups that I've worked with, um, G- God is, is very apparent in the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Your faith journey, looking where you are now, but also in the past. Can you name some folks who've had some of the greatest impact on this journey that you've been along? Um, Yeah, of course, I mentioned my mom. Um, uh, It's had a huge impact on my faith and planted a lot of of seeds that have grown into, into ministry and I don't know. That's uh, uh, probably where you know the groundbreaking person that uh, that did most of the work. But um, <laughs> yeah. Also, um, uh, my friends, uh, my friend Alex. I mentioned Alex. Um, my wife Ellen uh, has been inspiration. The pastor that uh, I grew up with at uh, First Church in uh, Lewisburg, Tennessee. His name was Wayne Morgan. Um, it had a, a, a big impact on my faith, and um, um, Wayne passed away in 2010 um, while I was in seminary. So he actually saw me get to seminary, um, and I, I preached his funeral. That was the first funeral that I, I preached, and um, it was an honor to do that. But um, yeah, those those are the the major people in my life who have, who have had an impact, and plus some brilliant seminary professors who mm. have just opened up doors that um, I did not know existed, and um, 
taught me uh, things and gave me tools that I'm still using um, every day and tools on, on how to think, not what to think, but um, how to, to process um, theological ideas and thought. And um, those, uh, those tools just, um, just keep coming, uh, coming in handy and mm-hmm. um, keep me learning. Yeah. Yeah, the ability to feel comfortable in asking questions mm-hmm. and permission giving, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to ask questions of of ourselves or about the church or about our faith. Um, I see those as important tools for our development and to strengthen our relationship with one another, but also in 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 our relationship with God as well, to to be able to go why, how. Yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that that's pretty important. Yeah, where do you see God working in your life today? Um, well, I, I think moving forward, um, and and trying to find um, places that I can use my strengths, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I feel like. You know, ministry is is a perpetual journey, and you continue to to um, to learn and to find um, new areas to explore all the time. So um, right now, I feel like God is is leading me to um, places where I can explore, and um, um, I feel like along the way, when you gain experience. Um, you 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 put these these tools in a toolbox, and um, you got you know I've got this this toolbox with a whole bunch of tools that currently I, I I may not be using. So I feel like God is leading me to a place where I can use these uh, these new tools that I have gained, and um, to really stretch my arms and to really um, um, I guess to to flourish a little bit more. Yeah. So. The tools that you have, these gifts and talents and abilities, how how would you tie them into some of the the dreams and the aspirations, the the, the optimism and the hope for the church, the the church at large, mm-hmm. the Cumberland Presbyterian Church as well. Yeah, if you if you could use those tools and abilities to make an impact, mm-hmm. what are, what are your hopes, your aspirations? What do you want to be a part of? Yeah. I think it all goes back to um, that class that I took um, years ago that gave me the idea to um, to start the homeless ministry, and it was um, revitalizing the church. And what I really want to do is to um, I want to see the church get outside of the walls of the church a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I, I when I was young, I used to think that. That church was that one day a week school that you went to, um, that you talked about stuff that you didn't talk about in the other school. <laughs> um, and I think so many people think that's what it is. Um, and if I'm going to be in a church, um, I'm not. I'm not so interested in in getting more people to church as I am getting the church to people. Mm. Um, so. Um, my aspirations for the church is to um, 
to make a difference in the community, uh, to, to stop looking so much inward and to look outward and how the church can meet those needs. You know, what can we do to really uh, make an everlasting impact? Um, and I, I think we start with selflessness, humility, and, and compassion for humanity, you know, you know, uh, I just I believe that people are too focused on themselves to see the true needs in the world, um, and I think there are a lot of needs out there, um, and I, I want to see I want to see the church um, really step up and, mm-hmm. and try to meet those needs. And and I, I've I've seen these needs myself firsthand from kind of being on the streets and doing ministry on the streets. There's there's way way more needs out there than there are in in the building mm-hmm. um so i think we start there we start by by going out and um and and kind of showing compassion and showing the love of christ and um not only are, are the people that um, are in need not only are they receiving that but also the outsiders are seeing that the church is doing something you know i, I think the outsiders looking in when they see the church they just see a building and um, they don't see enough of of um, enough of action outside of the building, and and I want the church to be part of that. So how do we do that? How do we take ourselves, who often are looking inward, and oh, or the circle is very small, you know, the immediate family, um, which can include the church family, and then shift that gaze um, beyond the church walls, as you said. But not only just not look, but actually participate and address some of the needs. And it's a challenge, I think, for for us individually, but also corporately as well. What strategies, what ideas do you have to to help us kind of, um, yeah, look at a a different horizon? I think uh, first things first is to see what you have, Um, you know, with with the church as as a body look at that body and see what the strengths are you know what do i have the you know what kind of talents what kind of skills in this little group of people you know what tools do i have and then what resources does each person have you know what who do we know what are we good at and and how can we use what little resources we have um, because what might seem to be small could be something much bigger. So mm. I think making an assessment of of the people, and I think uh, some some maybe maybe more uh, than some uh, church leaders um, aren't doing that. Uh, they don't uh, they don't allow their church to lead. They don't allow the leaders of the church to lead. And they don't allow the participants of the church to lead. And I think the church people have so many. Um, gifts and uh, so much to offer, but pastors and church leaders have to allow them to do it and have to really give them the will. And um, I've always said in in, in working uh, with nonprofits and stuff, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I have an idea, can we try this idea? You always say, yeah, let's try it. And even if you know that it, that idea is going to fail, you know, unless it, it seems like it's dangerous to some degree, <laughs> um, give it a try because um, 
And even if you know if it's going to fail, because if it fails, you and that person fail together. And you also, you give them some investment at the same time. And you also, they build a little trust in you because you trusted them with their idea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you let people, you let people lead. Somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's try it. You say, all right, it's yours. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I, you've, you've got my support. And, that per- um, that yeah. permission giving yeah. could be really expanded. Yeah. I think in and, the church. And to not be afraid to try it. I think a lot of church leaders are, are afraid of, of failure, but there's a lot of times there's a lot more to gain in failure than there is success. What other, uh, if you had that magic wand, make one big swooping change for the church, what would it be? Ooh, man. Does anybody have that wand? Does that exist? <laughs> if it did. Yeah, if it did. Um, I think it, it kind of goes back to the same thing I was just saying for um, more selflessness and humility in the church um, and to... Um, to focus on the the needs of the world, you know the old producer Orson Welles once said, uh, "To be born free is to be born in debt," and um, was ultimately saying, you know, if you if you have good health, then you have a debt to those who are sick. If you have food, you are in debt to the hungry. You know, if you were born with, you're in debt to those without. Mm-hmm. And um, there is no really, there's not a concept of that among a lot of people, you know, rather people often think that, you know, if you're without, you must uh, have something to deserve it and, uh, or have done something to deserve it. And and that's not my problem. Right. Um, Or, or you owe me. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm not in debt to you, but you are, you owe me. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a shift of uh, perspective. I know. I know. Yeah. So I think if I had a wand, I, um, I would I would wave it and ask that everybody kind of saw through that lens because I think that I think we'd be in a different place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tommy, I thank you for your time. Where do you want people to find out more? Where can they find out more about you, your ministry, uh, the Urban Bike Ministry? Um, point us in that direction. All right, so um, ubfmnash.org is the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry Nashville's. Uh, that's their website, and there's all kinds of cool stuff on there, ways to donate, a little bit of history. Um, there's even a section on there if you want to start a UBFM in your own town. Um, there's some uh, information on how to do that, um, uh, some good photos, uh, some videos some fun stuff on there. Um, so the, uh, that's ubfmnash.org. Then there is ubfmmemphis.org, which will take you to the Memphis area. Um, so yeah, check those out. Uh, if you're interested in um, any of my Sunday messages, I record them in my office before I preach them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you'll actually see me in my office <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube, uh, if you want to, and um, my um, you can find my YouTube channel through my Gmail uh, account, which is Pastor T Clark seven seven at gmail dot com. All right, Tommy, 
It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. All right. Folks, thanks for joining us on this journey of the Cumberland Road podcast. Uh, look forward to the next episode.